0: Welcome to Wit & Wire, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to learn how to start and grow a successful podcast that makes an impact. I'm your host, Melissa Guller, and in each episode of Wit & Wire, I invite fellow podcasters and industry experts to share their diverse stories and strategies to help podcasters of all experience levels. Today, I'm here with fellow podcaster Katrina Ubell. Katrina is a master certified life and weight loss coach and host of the popular podcast, Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. After completing her pediatric residency at Children's Hospital, Wisconsin, Dr. Yubel worked in a private pediatric practice for 10 years, during which time she lost 45 pounds in 12 months without surgery, pills, unhealthy crash diets or fitness apps. Now, Katrina leverages her experience as a pediatrician and as a mother to help other busy doctors prioritize their health and achieve permanent weight loss. Katrina's work has been featured in notable outlets like NPR and on several industry podcasts like The Doctor's Life with Diane Ansari Wynn, MD, and The Science of Self-Help with Dr. Jennifer Graves. So Katrina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I am so curious to learn more about you and your show. So I think I'd first like to ask, at what point in your career did you decide to start a podcast?
1: Okay, I used to work as a pediatrician <laughs> for 10 years. I worked in a private practice as a pediatrician. And then I left my practice to become a life and weight loss coach. And so it was, I, I, and I should just back up and say that I never really had like the reluctant entrepreneur in the sense that I was never someone who always had this dream of having their own business or putting myself out there in any way publicly or anything like that. I really just fell into it. I found the help that I really needed for the weight struggles that I had as a busy practicing doctor. And once I figured it out, I was like, wait a minute, I think there's a lot of other people who might want this information. Actually, I didn't even think a lot of other people. I thought there might be a few other people who might want this information. That was my initial thought. And so I thought, you know what, maybe I will give this business thing a try. Why not something new and different. And so I left my practice and I Started blogging, got a website up, figured out to start practicing coaching doctors. I found some people through Facebook and things like that. But it became clear to me that if I really knew who my ideal client was, like who was I really trying to attract, she was not reading blogs. <laughs> These were busy doctors who were not spending time reading anything, probably, let alone my blog. So I blogged for a few months, but I knew. I think I probably am going to need to do a podcast, first of all, because I really enjoyed listening to podcasts, and I knew how it was such a great way to get information that I really wanted while I was doing other things. So while I was driving, if I was running errands, I had a very short commute. So commute wasn't a big deal for me, but I know that for a lot of doctors it is. When I was cleaning up around the house or folding laundry or organizing the attic or things like that, I would get through so many podcasts. And I thought, I just have this hunch that my people are really going to like that. But I have to tell you, I was really reluctant to start a podcast for a few reasons. One was that somehow I had it in my mind that I would have to do all of it myself. Like I kept thinking I could do it, but then I so-and-so, she edits her own podcast. Then I have to figure out all the editing. That's going to take a long time. I had my kids were quite little at the time. When am I going to do this? So I kept putting it off and putting it off. Then what actually ended up happening was... (laughs) The reason I I really moved forward with it was that my mentor has a very successful podcast and she put out to all of us coaches, hey, if you record about a 15, 20 minute little segment teaching my audience something really interesting, then I will tack that on to the end of my podcast. And so you can submit that. And she gave us the submission criteria and all the hoops we had to jump through to get it ready. And my first thought was like, I'm totally going to do that thinking what a great opportunity to get my message out there. And then I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm way too new. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I was like, wait, no, I can figure this out. So I didn't have any equipment. I didn't have podcast mic, I didn't have anything. I literally had one of those headsets that has like the bendable microphone that like kind of you can move it like closer to your mouth and further away. And so I figured out on my Mac that there was like an audio recording software. And I I literally wrote out a script because I didn't know how to be conversational about it. I wanted to make sure that I got the point across really well. And so I just practiced where the mic needed to be positioned. So I didn't have the pops and the the sounds that weren't good. And I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna submit this. And if she doesn't like it, then I'll just try again. And I'll just keep resubmitting until she accepts it. Or she says, I've had enough people. And so I just got to work right away. I recorded it, I submitted it, I ended up being the first person to submit it. And when other coaches found out that I had done that already, they're like, Oh, hey, could I listen to what you submitted? And I was like, Okay, sure. And then the feedback I got from all these other coaches was you should really start a podcast. That was really good. And I thought, Oh, I know I really should. I probably should. So what really pushed me over the edge was then I found out that there are companies that you can hire (laughs) that will actually edit and produce your podcast for you. And all you have to do is just do the recording and they do all the other work on the other end. But it was 1000s of dollars and my business was not profitable yet. And so it was around Christmas time. And I said to my husband, Oh my gosh, I found this company and it's so great. And they'll help me get the podcast up and running. But it's like many 1000s of dollars." And he says, Do you want that for Christmas? And I was like, I think I do. I think I want a podcast for Christmas. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And so that's what I got for Christmas that year. And so that package that I bought helped me to work with somebody on their team to Choose the music and really get it all dialed in, and they produced the first three episodes. So they got it up and running. And I knew because I was working with someone else, and they had deadlines and things like that. I would stop procrastinating. I would actually get it up there. And what ended up happening when I got this podcast up there, the vulnerability—I just have to tell. You, I just want to say for anyone listening, it's not like I was like, "Oh no bigs, I'm just going to put like all my stuff up on the internet for free for everybody." I was really nervous. I didn't know. How people would respond. I didn't know if they'd listen. And if they did listen, if they'd hate it, and then I would have to deal with all my emotions regarding that. But it ended up being the best decision I made for my business, because my hunch was right. People did doctors really did want to listen to podcasts. And there's a large, vibrant Facebook community for women physician mothers, like many 10s of 1000s of doctors on it. And you can't promote yourself on there. But I thought, you know what, if I can get somebody to Listen and then promote it there. That's really going to help. And it was a couple weeks in, and I got the first mention on there. And someone said, "Hey, if you guys haven't checked this out, you need to check out Katrina Bell's podcast, Weight Loss for Busy Physicians." And within two days, I had ten thousand downloads, and Holy I think Christ. I had four or five episodes. Yeah, it was just like boom. It just everyone's what's a podcast? How do this was a number of years ago? They're like, where am I'm in there helping people? Okay, you have an app on your phone, it looks like this, type this in teaching them how to do it. And within a couple of months, my all my consult calls like to bring on new clients were completely booked. I was booked out through many months, I had to basically stop doing that. I had to change my whole business model within a couple of months, because I had so much interest that there was no way I could work with people one on one anymore. I had to move to a group model. And it just really has taken off. And to this day, word of mouth is a huge part of my marketing. Obviously, like I was saying, people are online sharing and telling their friends and stuff. But the podcast is really where they get to know me. And what's been so great about it is they get to know and trust me by listening to me I'm totally myself on this podcast. So when they decide to work with me, they're not surprised around what's she going to be like. They just know this is Katrina. This is what I've been listening to is what I'm going to get. And that's what I want. And so it's made sales so much easier. It's really just been one of the best decisions.
0: I love hearing you talk about all of your process to getting here, because I think maybe, maybe many people assume that most people are like, I'm going to do a podcast and then they do the podcast and then they have a podcast and then everything is successful but right. being, all positive emotions yeah exactly <laughs> <There>. <laughs> <laughs> but so much of it is very uncertain or very new or very vulnerable or i think there's a lot of doubt for even people who are very successful now around like, oh, i don't know should i do this show is it going to be worth it in the end i think that's a big question early mm-hmm. podcasters have and for yeah, you and it you don't like know different.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you just have to experiment. That's really what it comes down to. I do have to say, though, that I did study the podcast that I liked listening to. And I really paid attention to what do I like about this podcast? Like, why do I come back every week? to listen to it? What are the parts that like, and I basically modeled my podcast after that. So I always liked it when there was a little bit of banter in the beginning, whether it was more than one person or even just one person sharing a little bit about their life and what they had going on before they launched into the topic. And so I most of the time do that. And what's funny is every now and then I get a comment like, oh, I wish you would just get to the point. And then if I stop sharing, then I get all these messages like, hey, I really miss when you shared about your family. I'm like, see, there you go. You can't make everyone happy. For sure, there's going to be people who don't like what you do. And here's what I think is interesting is if your podcast doesn't take off, and you have a very small audience, then you're upset because your message isn't getting out. But then if you have a big audience, then you're upset because now people have an opinion about your message. And so it's just that that's just part of putting yourself out there and wanting to share it's just not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I'm not going to say it's always easy. I have to be really careful if I go and read my reviews, just I have to make sure I'm really in a mindset to be able to take in whatever I'm going to read, because I have the vast majority are these glowing, amazing comments. But then there's one in there with just I wish this were different, or I don't like how she XYZ. And that just can kill me. It can take me days. even, And I'm a life coach. right? I know how to manage this. Sometimes it can take me a while to work through that. And so I instead I just try to focus on I know what they I know what they need. I'm going to offer them that. And I don't necessarily need to read every review or take everybody's opinion into account. I certainly can't make everybody happy. So what do I want to offer? And what does my ideal client need to hear? And just yeah. focus on that.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. The you can't make everyone happy with podcasting and like you said, the more successful you get, the more people who might be unhappy or might leave, those reviews or tell you to do things differently, but I think you got to just take it all with a grain of salt. There are helpful pieces of advice out there and helpful feedback from listeners for sure, but mm-hmm. people will always just want whatever it is you're not doing. And then like you said, you'll exactly. stop doing it and they'll be like, "Oh no, I loved it." And I think <laughs> right. the the unhappy people are often the loudest and we hear them over all the good and over everyone else. And often people who are happy don't say anything. So that's tough too.
1: Exactly. I think about that. How many podcasts have I listened to that I absolutely love and I tell everyone I know about and I don't leave a review? Like it's, I often think like when you go on Amazon and you read the reviews for something and then there's people complaining and you do filter it, that little grain of salt kind of thing of, okay, this person just seems to really like to complain and this is like a platform or Yelp or something like that. Is it really that bad? Is it really as bad as they're saying? We have to see. But I think when it comes down to it being about you then it's just natural for our brains to want to avoid rejection and to want to feel accepted and things like that. So just because even if you have like a shame fest or a rejection fest or like something like that, it doesn't mean you should stop. I like to try to remind myself, like, what are they saying that is true? And what do I agree with? Because sometimes they really, like you said, have some good feedback. It's, hey, this would be better. Or that would be better. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Okay, good to know. Thanks for telling me instead of taking it so personally.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I also want to talk about speaking of not being for everyone or not making everyone happy. You have a very niche audience that is very much not for everyone. So can you tell us more Mm -hmm. about who they are and what made you decide to have that really niche audience?
1: Yeah, like I said, I knew nothing about business. And so the little bit of business training that I got, like I would say, I was like, I didn't know zero about business. I was like a negative vacuum. It's like, <laughs> literally, I knew nothing at all. And so the information that was offered to me that I got was, you have to be successful, you have to really narrow it down. Like the classic, like, if you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Even as a doctor, right? There are those GPs, like general practitioners out there. But for the most part people have a specific group of people that they work with and and they become experts in helping those people. I did children. And so that made sense to me and I I actually had all kinds of different ideas of things that I could do, but I ha- had figured this weight thing out. I was thinking like this is something that is something I've struggled with for a really long time. There's a lot of shame and humiliation that surrounds being an overweight doctor, just because you're supposed to be this health expert, and you're giving eating advice, nutrition advice, and things like that. Meanwhile, clearly, from the looks of you, (laughs) you're not following that advice. There's more to it than just, oh, I don't know how to eat healthy. Like I knew how to eat healthy. I just didn't know why I couldn't do it consistently. And so I also, to be totally honest, I thought if I make a business around weight loss for doctors, then maybe I can really make sure that I don't gain this weight back because that had been the problem for myself Is like I had lost and gained 40 pounds so many times like I could get it off but I could never keep it off and I thought if this becomes my work then maybe that will really Keep me accountable, and to be honest, it has (laughs) like the idea of just like letting myself go. It's no, I'm really not going to do that. There's more to it than just what size clothes I'm wearing or things like that. So I thought this would be good. I think nobody else is really doing this that I knew of. Nobody was uh, was really helping women physicians in clinical practice to lose weight, and it's it's just exactly what I was saying. Like when you're really speaking, when you know someone's struggle, and you really help them with that they're just like, she's talking exactly to me. If I'm thinking, I want to lose some weight, and I'm a doctor, and I'm in clinical practice. And here's this person who's Hey, I help people exactly like you to lose weight. It's much more of a no brainer to sign up with that person. And that's basically what ended up happening people. I, I know for sure, I just kept feeling like nobody really understands me when I was in practice and struggling with my weight. Like I worked with a nutritionist once. And she was like, Oh, in the middle of your afternoon, you should just stop and eat a snack. And I was like, Okay, but You don't understand, though, when I'm 40 minutes behind, and I've got room after room of people waiting for me, like, I'm not going to stop and eat something like I have to keep going. And she was like, you can do whatever you want to do. And she's totally right. I could have, but I wasn't going to do that. It just wasn't going to happen. There were too many inflexibilities baked into my day that it made following other people's plans really restrictive and difficult to keep up for the long run. And so what I focused on instead was, what can I do? What am I willing to do? What will work with my schedule? And how can I, you know, continue with that? And I just kept thinking, like, it should, it doesn't have to be this hard. I don't understand why it has to be so hard to lose weight and keep it off. And it was because it was, I was trying to fit someone else's plan into my unique life. And so what I help all these doctors to do is to work on a plan that will work. If you're an you know, surgeon, and you're operating for nine hours straight, you're not going to scrub out to go eat something. Maybe you could, but not consistently. And you can't be guaranteed that you're going to be able to do that. So we create individual plans for everybody, they basically create it with my assistance. And then because it's their plan, and it works for them, they actually are more than willing to continue following it. And that's just like the food part of it. We, of course, super dig into why are we even overeating in the first place, which of course, is our thoughts and our feelings that we don't want to feel. I always say what we eat and the weight loss part is like the least interesting part of what we do. And what we're mostly coaching on once we get all the food stuff dialed is why do I struggle in my marriage so much, or I really hate my job, and I don't know what to do, because I have all this educational debt and I can't do something else right now or things like that are really the root source of why they're eating more than they should and possibly drinking too much alcohol.
0: Mm -hmm. I think even that phrase, like the root source of why people are doing these things and going back to when you said you didn't feel understood by any of of these other podcasts. I think a lot of people worry about the opposite. They worry that if they choose a really small audience, then their podcast has limited growth potential. But I think what I'm hearing you say, which I think is such great advice, is that don't be the everything for anyone podcast. But at the same time, a lot of those podcasts are not really serving anyone. And if you can find... A specific person, like for you as female physicians, like they're not being served by any of those podcasts. And if you talk about what they need and have plans that are just for them, they're going to be such loyal fans and really want to listen to your podcast over any of those other podcasts.
1: Absolutely. And you know what I have found over the course of time is that the feedback that I get from people, because I have many non physician listeners, and what the feedback I get from them is, I understand that this isn't really for me, but it's helped me so much because the examples that you give, which are totally doctor examples, like totally related to being a doctor. They're like, I get it. I'm an English teacher and it's not a doctor example, but it's like a student example or something that's related to that. And they're like, hey, I really can identify. I I understand what you're saying and I can apply it to my own life. And I've had many doctors who tell their patients to listen to my podcast to be able to get the weight loss help that they need. Because these patients are coming in and saying, Hey, listen, I really want to lose weight, I need to lose weight, what can I do? And the doctors are like, how about I share with you something that's really helping me. And so I have a lot of reviews where people are like, my doctor sent me here, this has helped me so much. I've lost 50 pounds just listening and applying what you teach. And so I always think of it as the more I really help my niche client on that, in my specific client on that, On my podcast, the more it helps everybody. Anybody's welcome to listen. Anybody's welcome. It's good for it it will help everybody. But I'm just speaking directly to that person who thinks that nobody else understands them.
0: I love that. And because you have such a clear sense of who you're talking to, and like you said, maybe they're not a doctor, all of these listeners, but you're giving such clear examples and can identify such clear pain points that I have to imagine that your clarity leads to Not just excluding people, but really including more people because you are able to talk really clearly on a subject. Exactly. Exactly. And we all have
1: the same human experience. Like we all Mm -hmm. are going through the same thing, just different flavors of it. And so some people really want it to be exactly what they're going through. And other people are like I've had somebody say she was like, I was trying to find I would need to lose some weight. And I'm not a doctor at all, but I was searching through the podcast on weight loss and I saw weight loss for busy physicians. And I thought, oh, what's different for doctors? I want to know that. Mm -hmm. And so then she started listening and became a fan. So you just never know where people are going to come from. It doesn't mean you're not helping everybody. It's just you're really
0: making sure you're helping the person you're targeting. Totally. And if I were to imagine like sitting down and just doing a general weight loss podcast, I feel like that would be a real challenge because then how do you possibly speak to everyone who that could apply to? I feel like it would really dilute the message I was trying to get across. But like I said, you have such a clear person in mind that I imagine your ability to communicate becomes a lot clearer too.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. I just have a thought. Like, how would I do a podcast for everybody on weight loss? It would be so hard.
0: It'd be so hard. <laughs> it you would have to, be- like, waffle back and forth between so many different possible solutions. Of oh, maybe you're worried about this, and maybe you're worried about that, but you yes. don't have that problem at all because you no. know exactly who you're talking to.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then the more that I work with my clients, because now I do this full time, I'm not in practice anymore. They're telling me still what the concerns are. And then I'm addressing
0: them on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, something else that is, I think, characteristic of your podcast is that it's primarily a solo show. So Mm -hmm. why did you make that decision? Or what do you think some of the benefits are to doing a solo podcast? Yeah,
1: that was deliberate. And if I bring anybody on, I'm always thinking, why does my listener care? And why is this person required to get this message across? So if I feel like I can get the message across just fine myself, then I do it myself. But there are definitely people who are more experts in other topics. And, and I do want their assistance in bringing that message to my listeners. I'm very, I'm actually very protective of my listeners. You are in people's ears. They are giving you their time, which is so valuable and they can never get it back. So I never am just like, oh, this is just a, we'll blow this one off or this one isn't that good. It really needs to be. It needs to be worth their time. That's the way I always think about it. So the reason why I kept it solo, though, for the most part, was because this is a main marketing tool for me. So I wanted the listeners to know what I'm all about. I have actually found this with other people. Like if I am trying to find somebody else or trying to check somebody out or they have a podcast and I listen and all of their episodes are interviews with other people, sometimes it's actually hard for me to know if I want to work with the host because I don't really know what the host stands for. I don't really know what he or she is all about and what their work is. And so I wanted to make it really clear like the opposite way. This is exactly what I'm about. This is what I teach. This is either you resonate with this or you don't. And if you do, awesome. Like You might want to consider working with me then. And, and so that's why I do it that way. I love what you said
0: about being protective of your listeners. I think that's so important because you're really earning trust and Even if you bring on a guest, it is still very much a reflection of you because it's your Mm -hmm. podcast. And I think the advice too about if you could share the message, then it makes more sense for you to do it. But having somebody who's complimentary or maybe has expertise that you don't have, I could see a time and a place for doing that or doing a mix. But certainly with a solo show, you really get to show off like your expertise. And if you have a business, then showing off your expertise is really crucial. Exactly. And the purpose of the
1: podcast for me is to make money. But I don't monetize my podcast. Like I don't have ads. I don't have sponsors. Like so I think of it as like, listener, that is my gift to you. I don't make you listen to about sponsorship stuff. I don't make you listen to ads. But in exchange, I get to tell you about what I'm offering. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: invite you to my webinars, invite you to you know use my freebies and things like that I invite you to join my email list and and that's the exchange of value that we have there.
0: Yeah, and I know you said you don't you know monetize the podcast itself, but certainly the podcast is a marketing channel for your business overall. So how do mm-hmm. podcast listeners become clients or group program members with you?
1: Yeah. So what I do is I try to give them results ahead of time on the podcast. So that means either they listen, and they apply what I teach them, and it starts making a difference for them. So they start going, No, this stuff works. This is actually really good. I want more of this. Or they listen, and they're like, You know what, I totally should do that. But I know I'm not going to do it on my own. I need some help doing that. So maybe she can help me. So that's what I'm looking at from the podcast standpoint. Even if people find out about me from an ad or find out about me from their friend or someone that they know or something like that, that podcast is where I warm them up. So I take them from cold traffic to warmer traffic. And sometimes they're even hot then at that point where they're like, when can I pay you money so I can work with you? But I always think of just warming them up, giving them help, loving on them, And then I make them offers to get more help. And so I have a digital book that I offer to them, like when I'm not really doing any webinars or things like that, if I'm not open for enrollment, I offer them that I have like a two page six steps to jumpstart your weight loss, a thing that they can get for free all I'm always offering something that requires them to give me their email address. So I'm like, hey, I can give you this great help, this great resource I have actually, (laughs) interestingly, one of my freebies is what we call a podcast roadmap, which is what I because I have I just recorded yesterday, episode 186. So if you find a podcast that has a whole lot of episodes, especially weight loss, you're like, Oh, my gosh, so overwhelming. Where do I begin? I don't even know which ones are important. How do I start? And so what I tell them is just go ahead and download this roadmap. It's 30 of the most effective episodes. If you listen to one of these a day and apply what I teach you end of the month, you're for sure going to notice changes in your life and your body. So I even help them how to, to know how to use my podcast to give them the results that they want. And so then once I get their email, then I email them every week with my I don't really have a newsletter, I just send out a weekly email that promotes the podcast of the week. But then on the in the PS of my emails, I'm always offering them what's the next thing that I have going on if I have a webinar or something to just promote, I'm always um, promoting that to them. And then I'll know that there's always going to be podcast listeners who are never going to want to really get onto my email list for the most part. So I always promote if I'm doing like any kind of live training or presentation or anything like that, I always promote it with the registration link on the podcast so that people can just register directly that way. Because I know what it's like. There's people I've totally paid money to where I'm like, I don't want to be on your email list. I don't want to get your emails. I just want to be able to get the help I need from you. So just thinking about it that way, like how can I diversify? Like I want to
0: get them on my email list
1: as much as possible. But if they aren't willing to do that, I still give them another opportunity to be in touch.
0: I think that's really smart because like you said, some people are just not email people. They don't want to be on your list, but they will avidly come back every single week to listen to your podcast. So Mm -hmm. when you are promoting it, do you share it in the intro section or the outro? Where do you actually put that kind of a promotion?
1: What I typically do is I start with a little banter that is sometimes very minor. Sometimes I'll tell a little story about something that's going on for me. Every now and then I'll even just tell them about some sort of product or thing that I'm really loving that I'm not an affiliate for. I'm getting no kickback for it. I just want you to know I'm really loving this and you should know about it. Just something like that. Then I go into whatever I want to promote to them, because many people will not listen to the end of your podcast. And my episodes aren't typically that long. They're about 20, 25, maybe occasionally 30 minutes. But even so it happens to everybody, right? Like you just you have just, you know, three minutes left and you end up stopping because whatever. So I make sure that I just let them know what I'm offering and why they should get it like essentially selling them on why they should take that action whatever that is and then i go into the meat of the podcast and at the end i remind them one more time what i want them to do in case they are listening and then you know what another thing just to mention i we always use like a pretty link which is i think there's different tools you can use for this we call it a pretty link where the the link to go register is like some awful looking link <laughs> but you can make it look Really nice. Like, for instance, for my main webinar that I do, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time, we have it be like my email or sorry, my domain. So, Katrina Ubell forward slash lose weight. So, it's just like an easy thing for them to remember. Because if they're driving or they're working out or something, they're not going to remember your weird multiple slash URL. And then the other thing we've experimented with too, is even allowing them to text opt in. So if they're on their phone, say they're on a walker, then they can just really quickly go and text to opt in. We have found that the reliability of that is sometimes a little off, like it was working great for a while, and then it wasn't working. And we didn't know why we're going to work on getting that back up and running again, because it did convert people. So you just have to think of what are people doing when they're listening and how can I make opting in as easy as humanly possible for them?
0: Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned too that you are trying out the text opt-ins and that you might need to try it again because I do think a big part of podcasting is just trying new things and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't because strategies that work for some people don't necessarily work for everyone. And I think there's no time where the podcast will be like done where you're like oh totally this is the thing we do this thing forever it is set in stone that's not a point to reach but i also think it wouldn't be as fun that way i think part of the fun comes with testing new things
1: Absolutely. And just continuing to learn. I just love learning. That's just like one of my strengths. I just love knowing more trying different things. What are other people doing? Maybe I'll try that too. Let's see what happens. And not like having such an agenda for the success of the thing that I try, just going, let's just try it. If they don't like it, then we won't do it anymore. (laughs) Like, and the way they don't like it is it doesn't convert like your audience will tell you because they won't do whatever the thing is that you want them to do, or they won't opt in for that thing because it's actually not that interesting to them. Or maybe the way you're describing it isn't interesting to them. Like you have to sell them on why they can't live without this thing that you're offering <laughs> to them. Like they have to have that. And and then if you've tried all those things and they don't want it, then okay, then tweak it. It's still probably a good idea. It just needs to be adjusted in some way.
0: That's a good point too, that It could be that you have exactly the right content in, let's say, your webinar, but the title's not working or the way you're pitching Mm -hmm. it isn't working. And so it's important to not necessarily throw the whole idea out, but just maybe see what can you test or what can you try a different angle on.
1: Yeah. And you have to be so willing to pivot. What have we seen in 2020?
0: <laughs> Your editorial calendar. Yeah. It's Out really optional, right?
1: <laughs> Out the window. It's just, I can, I, I, I sometimes have had many weeks in advance. Like I'm not great with batching my episodes and, but I have at times even had been like six weeks ahead. It was just like amazing being so ahead on it. And I wasn't. As we all went into quarantine. And I was so grateful because I ended up not having to really trash any of my episodes. <laughs> I amended them a little, but I didn't have to really start over and completely throw out things that I had already done. And then with the George Floyd murder and all the social justice things that were going on, that was another, that was like a, another kind of like record scratch, hold on okay, we can't talk about that this week. So what are we going to do? What is in line with our values and what we offer our clients? What would actually help them? And then rushing to put that together. I was really proud of what we put together for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Safe to say that 2020 has not gone according to anyone's plan. And I think Mm, being able to adapt (laughs) in business is so key. Um, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I do have a couple other things I want to ask you about. And one is reviews. You have, when Mm -hmm. I checked this morning of our recording, like 2.3 thousand reviews on your podcast, which is amazing. So where or who do those reviews come from?
1: Yeah. Okay. So many of them are doctors and many of them are not. But I will tell you how I did this. (laughs) And I can't guarantee that it'll work for you. But what I found was that people just the classic, you know, leave a review, like people don't, right? They just don't. So this was, oh gosh, probably at least a year and a half ago, if not maybe two years ago, because my podcast is, I think it's two and a half years old now. I think I'm going to be at year three in January. And this is July as we're recording this for anyone who's listening um, in the future. And so what I saw was someone else whose podcast I listened to made it a a big goal of hers to get a 1000 reviews. It was a big push. She talked about it a lot on the podcast, like why it was important to her. She really asked people, like really encouraged them strongly to leave a review. And it worked. She ended up getting her 1000 reviews that she wanted. And I didn't do it actually for a while after that. But then I saw someone else that I know who I listened to her podcast, and she was pushing too. And I thought, you know what, why not? Like, why not do it? So I thought, I'll just start small. I'll just say, 500. Like I, I want to get to 500 reviews. I don't exactly remember how many I had, maybe 150 or something at that point. And I thought, okay, 1000 seems like a lot. Maybe that's a little greedy. Let's go for 500. And so what I did was I at the beginning of every podcast, I just talked about, hey, you guys have this goal, I really want to get to 500 reviews. So if you could go there and do that, it'd be great. I told them specifically how to do it. in the Apple podcasts app, which I think probably if you listen to that now is not at all how you do it anymore, because they feel like they're always changing it. But I told them specifically how to do it. And if they were a droid user that they could go into iTunes on their computer to be able to leave a review, I told them how it would help. There were so many other doctors out there who needed this information, it would really help them. And I also read people's reviews. So I would go through the reviews and find some that were fun or interesting and share them on the podcast. So like maybe one or two. And I did that for a while, like months. It did not happen like overnight. Oh my gosh, I just asked people for three weeks. And suddenly I had 500 reviews. But I think what ended up happening is people got tired of me asking and (laughs) they went in there and did it. Mm -hmm. And so I was willing to let people be tired of it. Like I have listened to other podcasts where they're like, I'm not going to keep bugging you because I hate it when people do that. And I'm like, but that's why you only have 75 reviews. That's totally fine if you want to do that. But the the reason why the reviews are important is because it's social proof, right? For anybody who's checking out your podcast, they're like, oh my gosh, 2,300 reviews? Holy moly, a lot of people listen to this thing so much that they're willing to leave a review. And when I do want to invite like a bigger name person onto my podcast, that shows them not only do I have X number of downloads every episode or in grand sum but also I have engaged listeners and engaged listeners might go and buy their book that they're promoting or things like that. And so what ended up happening was I got to the 500 mark and I stopped asking, but people keep listening to those episodes and they keep leaving reviews. So I went from 500 to 2300 with doing nothing else. I haven't asked for anybody to leave a review in
0: a very long time. Wow. But like you said, that's only after you put in the work and did this for months. So Mm -hmm. I love this idea too of having a really specific number in mind, like not just for this, but for goal setting in general, having a really clear number, like 500 reviews instead of just saying, oh, I'd love it if you left a review. That's Mm -hmm. such a big difference. And so I love this strategy. I was just like, I'm just going to
1: persevere someday they're going to leave that many. And here's what's interesting. I had one review where the woman was like, I'm amending my review from five stars to two or three or whatever she made it. And she was like, she she will not stop asking for these reviews. Like totally was like trashing me about asking for that. And I was just like, okay, she said in there that she wasn't a doctor. And I was like, so I'm not really interested in (laughs) what you have to say. I am, but not really, right? But I also was like, it's fair. And also there's a button on your app that lets you fast forward 30 seconds. And if you don't want to hear me, I didn't respond to that. I didn't say this, but this is what I was thinking. You also don't have to listen to that. If someone doesn't want to listen to you doing your promo thing, they can just fast forward. I do it all the time when there's ads in podcasts. Like It's totally okay for people to do that. And your average listener is going to figure that out. If they don't want to listen, then they'll just fast forward. And that's totally cool.
0: Yeah. In general, I think if people are your people and they're for you, they will listen, they will stick around. And if people are not, then they don't have to. They can choose right. to leave. No one is forcing them to listen to your podcast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As we start to wrap up, I'm curious, are there other strategies that you think would help other podcasts that maybe we haven't talked about yet when it comes to either production or marketing or just any of the above?
1: Yeah, I have a, a few tips, like just things that I've noticed because I feel like there, there were plenty of podcasts when I started mine, but there's so many more now. And what a couple things um, that I notice new podcasters sometimes doing is that they just rush to get it going and think like, I'm just still sorting myself out and what my message is, as I'm going, I do not think that's a good idea. I really do think that it's much better for you to get really clear on what your message is. If you really like first, if you really want to just start the podcast, then what I suggest is while you're sorting yourself out, you have one podcast. And once you feel like you're dialed in on what your message is, then start a new one. Like just start from scratch again. Because what people will do is they will go to your first couple of episodes to find out who you are, what are you about? Is this a fit for me? Do I want to give you my time and my attention? And if what you're talking about today is totally different than what you're talking about six months ago, it, people are going to be confused, like it's, it's not going to make sense to them. And again, when you have so many options, you're not going to want to go with a confusing option. You're going to want to go with the one that's really clear, that's going to help you, that's going to be worth your time. So I just think that you don't have to get stressed about it and don't let it paralyze you or stop you from doing anything. But I think sometimes the uh, people go into it without a lot of thought. And it shows in the quality of what's being presented. I also think that if you're going to do a show with another person, it sounds like, oh my gosh, we have the best conversations, we should just do a podcast. And sometimes you get people doing that. And it again, is are you what's happening here? Is this just we're letting you listen to our conversation? Or is there a point here? like a little bit like what's in it for me as the listener. And I think that if you're going to have a, a podcast where you have more than one person as a host, and you do have a point that you want to convey, you do need to actually plan it. You need to have a, a, not necessarily like a script, but you need to have some talking points and person A prompts person B into talking about this talking point and then maybe person B prompts person A into talking about this other point to make it so that the listener can follow along. Like I've listened to some of these podcasts. I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. What is happening? And then I don't come back. So it's, I think it's a little harder than people think to have more than one host consistently. I also think that you need to know who your listener is in terms of what kind of production quality are they wanting. One of the reasons why I was willing to spend thousands of dollars on a production company, I still have my podcast produced, meaning they edit it for me and they balance it all out and get out any, any extraneous noise and things like that is because I knew that my ideal listener is busy. And if the sound wasn't good, or there was like some echo or something wasn't good. Like, literally, I had one chance. She'd be like, this is a rinky dink show. No, I'm not putting my time and effort into this one. And I just knew that my audience would want a more professional feel. Now I have a friend who is very successful podcaster, very successful multiple seven figure business. But she coaches moms who have lots of kids who are at home. So she records her podcast, and her four year old walks in the room. And she asks him in the middle of the podcast, Hey, can you sit down? Can you do, can you get settled with this thing or whatever? And it's so on brand for her. It totally makes sense. It would make zero sense for my podcast to have that in there. My kids all know, listen, I'm recording. You need to be silent. Like the dog is situated. Like we've got the whole thing going on because my listener wants something else. So just think about who your listener is and what's going to be okay with them. And then you can, because you could totally do your podcast yourself, just make sure that for your listener, a self-produced podcast is going to be something that they're okay with.
0: Mm -hmm. This is all such great advice. And to me, the thing that seems to tie all of it together is just having total clarity on who you are and who you're for, because otherwise it's going to take a lot of undoing possibly later. When just sitting down and getting clear on that upfront would save you a lot of time, heartache, money, Mm -hmm. probably all the above.
1: I have friends who are successful business owners who have literally burnt their podcast to the ground, like 100 episodes, many reviews, completely didn't even just stop adding to it. They literally took it down. They took it away and started fresh because their message had evolved. And this was the message that they wanted out in the world, if someone's going to check them out, it needed to be this message. And that is not easy. I tell you what, that is like, that's painful to take all that work and literally just put it in the garbage. But that's that is the price that you pay if you're not sure or clear in the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. I really admire that. And I also appreciate hearing that sometimes podcasts, even podcasts with 100 episodes that probably served listeners and the host at the time, don't necessarily have to be a forever. Like It's okay if two or three years later, your life or business pivot and maybe your podcast needs a new life or maybe it doesn't continue into infinity and beyond. But I think just having awareness around that and knowing that maybe things need to change is really important.
1: Exactly. It takes a lot of guts to do that. Mm -hmm. Like you said, those that did it that I know who have done it, it it hurt. (laughs) They weren't happy about it. But the benefits that they have gotten since doing that have made it worth it 10 times over.
0: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. As we start to wrap up here, what are you working on now or up to next that you're most excited about?
1: Yeah, I I have my group programs, Weight Loss for Doctors Only. And we have a continuation program that is so great with community, which is exactly what doctors need right now in the land of COVID and all things pandemic. But I also am in the process of working on a book that will be for sale for everybody and can help everybody. So I'm excited about that as well. Very
0: cool. When is the book coming
1: out? To be determined.
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll just say in the future. In the future, exactly. (laughs) In the future, when it comes out, or even now, where can listeners connect with you or stay in touch?
1: So my podcast is called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. You do not have to be a doctor to listen, <laughs> so you can check me out there for sure on Instagram. I'm at Coach Katrina Ubel MD. That's a great place to check me out as well. And then also you can find all those freebies that I was talking about, all those free resources that can help anybody on my website, KatrinaUbelMD.com. And um, there's a resources page there,
0: and you can opt into anything you'd like. Perfect. I'll make sure there are links to everything in the show notes. And I just want to say, Katrina, this has been such a wealth of information. I feel like I could have taken a whole page of notes and did, in fact, take several notes while we were talking. And I hope that (laughs) listeners did too. So thank you again for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for joining us this week. To learn more about Katrina, our free podcasting resources, and everything mentioned in today's episode, check out the show notes at witandwire.com slash podcast. If you're excited to start your own podcast, but you aren't sure where to start, check out our newly revamped program, the Podcast Kickstart program. Podcasting is about so much more than just the right microphone. And I've had over 300 students enroll in the last few months alone to set their goals, choose their format and get ready to start recording. Right now, the program is just $27 and you can find a link in the show notes or visit witandwire.com slash kickstart. Thank you again for joining me, Melissa Guller, in this episode of Wit & Wire. I'll see you next time, podcasters.